Lately, it seems that we are getting more and more confused about what a church actually is. So let's take some time to set the record straight. Church is not a building, though a building can be used by a church. Church is not a denomination, though a set of beliefs should be important to a church. Church is not about Sunday, though a church should not forsake meeting together. Church is not about one person or personality, though every church should be pastored. And church is not about size or growth, though every church is called to make disciples. So don't think of church as an address or a location, but rather think of church as mobile and on the move. Don't think of church as something built or planted, but rather think of church as something deployed. Don't think of church as where you are for an hour each week, but rather what you are every day of the week, because the church is the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Feet shouldn't sit still. Hands shouldn't be idle. Feet go. Hands do. This is the church. Church isn't what you're sitting through right now, because you are the church. Now go and be the church. Good morning, GBBC. This is the day the Lord has made. I want to just give God praise, glory, and honor for another opportunity to share together with every single one of you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your consistency in worshiping with us week in and week out. I want to give just a, a special shout out to our praise team, the musicians, the brothers behind the camera that keep me laughing and keep me full of the joy of the Lord, as well as our associates who serve here so faithfully. Now, with all that being said, we're in the midst of a new series called Reimagine. And we took a short break on last Sunday to share in the uh, citywide justice and peace rally. Uh, and I preached from Micah chapter 6. Well, today we're picking back up with our Reimagine series. And as Pastor Pierce has already read, meet me in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And I'm going to begin reading again at verse 14. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. Uh, as, you, as you find that passage of Scripture, take out just a moment, click, start a, a watch party if you don't mind, share it. Those of you that are on the audio stream, hey, call somebody else. Merge them in so that we can share in this moment together. Matthew chapter 9, beginning of verse 14. Here is the word of the Lord. Then John's disciples came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often? But your disciples do not fast. Jesus says to them, Can the wedding guests be sad while the groom is with them? The time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one patches an old garment with an unshrunk cloth, because the patch pulls away from the garment and makes the tear worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise... The skins burst, the wine spills out, and the skins are ruined. No, they put new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. Beloved, I want to preach from the topic on today, the tension of change. The tension of change. I'm going to jump right into it. No big idea. You'll catch the big idea as I preach it on today. Our passage for today is nestled in an ongoing dialogue between Jesus and John's disciples 
along with Jesus and the Pharisees. People have multiple questions when something new is being established. Jesus comes on the scene and literally tears stuff up. He associates with common folk. He speaks as an advocate for those who are oppressed. He lingers among the ill. He, he knows more about the law than all of them combined, and thus he is questioned. As we make progress, beloved, through this reimagining, Greater Bethlehem, I've discovered that questions go along with change. Let me say that one more time. Questions go along with change. However, questions must be in alignment with the spirit of change or else it's just divisive chatter. Oh, permit me to preach just a little while and let me pastor you all. See, Jesus was killed because he came for change. Jesus was killed because he came for change. He came to fulfill what was promised, to establish his kingdom on earth, to reconcile those who were separated from the Father, to pay the price for the sins of man. That is change. And that sort of reimagining was bound to attract attention, both positive and negative attention. Oh, God, the tension of change. Now, before I get back to the text, let me color in the context of our current culture of church reimagining. Oh, I'm preaching already, y'all. See, GBBC, when we launched into 2020, I shared the theme of clarity, which was seeing God's plan for life church, community, and kingdom. It was the initial plan to, sink, to seek scriptural strategy for our vision as a church because we had become somewhat stagnant in our growth. Uh -huh. We had become comfortable. We had created cliques of comfort that allowed us to distance ourselves from other believers within GBBC. Hmm. Leadership was upheld by a faithful few, those who would not allow things to falter. And then the masses of our members uh, kind of went along to get along. Not because they did not want change, but the change they desired would likely never be manifested due to the powers that be. Then, in comes Rona. <laughs> Rona is no respecter of persons, generations, titles, or churches. Rona, with reckless abandon, confronted our cliques, our systems, and our vision. Rona declared, if you are really the church, then be the church without the building. Oh, I need a witness up in here. Rona declared, if you really have a word, Pastor Brown, then preach it to an empty sanctuary with the same enthusiasm that you would a field sanctuary. Rona asked the question, church, what can you offer a cynical word, distrustful of the things relative to the church, exhausted with the pomp and circumstance of religion, desperate for a transformative experience that will inspire them to walk with Jesus? Rona had a lot of questions. And Rona started speaking. 
And so, beloved, as I lamented day after day, week after week, month after month, the Lord began to speak louder than Rona. Mm. Uh, one day at my lowest moment, I heard a message from John Maxwell about change. He said, and I quote, we frequently hear color outside the box, suggesting creativity and progressive thinking. He went on to say, well, this pandemic has broken that box. The box no longer exists. Now, leader, you've got to consider doing things in a totally new and innovative manner. Then Maxwell blew my mind. Here's what he said. He said, and, be and beware of those advocating for us getting back to normal. Mm, let me say that one more time. He says, be beware of those advocating us getting back to normal. He says, what they're really attempting to do is get us back in the box. Oh, God, I'm feeling that by myself. And, beloved, that is the tension of change. Oh, so when I text, Jesus comes on the scene. As Matthew, Mark, and Luke record, performing miracles, healing the sick, setting free those who are oppressed. If you would go to verse 9, if you will, it says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him while he was reclining at the table in the house. Many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? First movement of this text is this, beloved. Stop trying to fit in. Oh, I like that by myself. Let me just pause, let you marinate on that. Stop trying to fit in. Jesus did not come to do things as they've always been done. He came to change. And as a result, the questions come. Notice the cowardice. They ask Jesus' disciples, not Jesus. Mm, God. See, Jesus sees calls and fellowships with Matthew. Stop trying to fit in. Oh, see, when I said stop trying to fit in, perhaps you assumed I meant fitting in with sinners. No. Jesus helps me to see that quite often it is the religious zealots who, need, who we need to stop trying to fit in with those who see things one way, their way. Oh, God, look at the questions. The questions are coming at Jesus. But, beloved, either the Pharisees were near the house or in the house when they asked those questions, which puts them in the same equal, unclean posture as Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm feeling this by myself. How then, beloved, can we engage the lost if we have nothing to do with the lost? How can we meet them where they are without meeting with them? God, can I get one witness in here? Just, just type an amen if you can. Stop trying to fit in. See, I see Jesus in this text. Chilling, reclining, fellowshipping. Here we have the Son of God 
the second person in the triune Godhead in direct contact with what Scripture calls sinners and tax collectors. Jesus was hanging with thieves and robbers. Can your faith handle being around folk who don't think or believe like you do? Mm, I want you to marinate on that question for just a moment. It's been my observation that many use their faith as a wedge between society. When with Jesus' model, it is a bridge to connect us to society. GBBC, I'm coming for you now. If we don't get more serious about reaching the lost, if we don't get out of our comfort zones, if we don't provide more opportunities to get out there and touch the lost, then we are just fitting in, and it can't just be five folk. No, oh, I'm feeling that by myself, but the text, the text is moving. It says, now when he heard this, meaning Jesus, he said, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Stop trying to fit in, but then secondly, stop believing you've got it all together. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. I love you. That's why I'm coming for you so hard. Stop believing you've got it all together. Jesus responds to a question that wasn't even asked to him. See, I know church folk get defensive and offended when they are compared to Pharisees. Pharisees were about performance, not relationships. Pharisees were about appearance, not intimacy. But church, quite often, we are more like Pharisees than we are like Jesus. And beloved, it is our own arrogance that fools us into thinking that we've got all the answers. Oh, God. Well, well, since I'm kicking this and bed, let me go on and step in it. See, it's hard for a pastor to pastor pastors. Oh, God, you'll, you'll unpack that on your way uh, to the living room. It's hard for a pastor to pastor pastors. It's hard to pastor folks who know more than the pastor. Uh-huh. I hear what you're saying. That does not mean the pastor is the smartest or that he has all the answers, but it does mean that he's the one with the burden. He's the one who will have to give an account. See, I've discovered that it is easy to be critical when you ain't got no weight on you. Oh, God, I feel that by myself. And one thing that I've done as a pastor is I've done my best to respect folks, to respect their roles and their responsibilities, but all too often, the pastor is the one that gets the criticism. The pastor gets the resistance. The pastor gets the murmuring and the complaining. Basically, it's pharisaical posturing. Oh, I'm preaching this by myself. Stop believing that you've got it all together. Ah, oh, so before you turn me off, before you hang the phone up, before you get mad and write me another letter, let me press on through this text. Don't try to think of who else this message applies to and just assume for a moment that it applies to you. 
Ah, you don't, don't look at nobody else. Don't start texting nobody else. Don't start calling nobody else. Just sit for just a while. And perhaps I'm preaching to you. Look at verse 12. The text is moving. Now, when he heard this, he said, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus is intimating, I came for sick sinners, not the religious right. Let me say that one more time. Jesus is intimating, he is suggesting, he is stating, I came for sick sinners, not the religious right. So the Lord's response demonstrated that his ministry is directed towards those who realize they have a need. Oh, God, those who realize they have a need. Why? Because y'all already believe you've got it all together. Oh, God. But, but these sinners know that they fall short. They know that they miss the mark. They don't have time to find fault in everyone else because they're examining themselves. It was Dr. Barberry who put it this way. The Pharisees did not think they were sinners, sick. So they would never have sought out the Lord, the physician. The Pharisees always brought the proper sacrifices, but they were totally lacking in compassion towards sinners. When mercy is lacking, then religious formalities are meaningless, end quote. Look at your neighbor and say, tap into mercy. Oh, come on, say, tap into mercy. Give them an air five and say, tap into mercy. I've discovered there's a temptation that we all face, especially when we've been walking with the Lord for a while. Oh, God, we can no longer smell ourselves. Oh, God, don't, don't get mad. Let me just preach this, beloved. It's a hard, it's a hard word, but I got to preach this. Let me, let me make this plain. I, I, I try to exercise uh, on a regular basis. Well, since the pandemic, I've, I've had to shift, and uh, so I may exercise on a different day than normal. Uh, on one of those abnormal days, I exercised, and later on that afternoon, evening, I was home chilling, reclining, fellowshipping. Uh, when I began to smell something, and I, I, I accused everybody in the house but me. Why? Because I know me. I take good showers. And there was no reason for that smell to be coming from me. Oh, but what happened, beloved, is I forgot that I had exercised. Hence, the smell was mine. What are you saying, Pastor Brown? We often forget that although we are saved, we may still stink. Oh, God, the odor of arrogance, the odor of meanness, the odor of cynicism. That's a $5 word that means this, when you only care about what you care about. And so we have to stop believing we've got it all together. Oh, the text is moving. I'm, I'm, I'm pressing. I'm pressing, y'all. I'm pressing. But we got more questions in the text. Next, we have a question about fasting. Oh, God. Then John's disciples came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Hmm. Now, note, 
although Jesus and John's disciples were on the same team, John's disciples chose to partner with the Pharisees in their line of questioning. They say, and quote, we and the Pharisees. Hmm. Let me see if I can stack this up. First question or the first movement of this passage is stop trying to fit in. Secondly, stop believing you've got it all together. Thirdly, stop resisting change. Oh, God, stop resisting change. Beloved, I've watched churches and businesses close as you have during this dispensation, during this season. Not necessarily for any fault of their own. It's just the season that we're in. But additionally, there is an inability to adapt, an inability to pivot to what this season demands. But when we use our energy, our conversations to draw attention from where Jesus is drawing attention to, then we are resisting change. I'm going to say that one more time. When we use our energy to draw attention from where Jesus is drawing attention to, then we are, in fact, resisting change. So Jesus uses three illustrations to respond to their question. The first is a wedding feast. Look at your text, verse 15. Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests be sad while the groom is with them? The time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. The first sub-point under this third point is this. There's time for that, but not now. Oh, come on, get that down, beloved. Come on. There's time for that, but, but, but not now. Jesus paints the picture of a wedding feast, a time of joy and a time of feasting. That's the season time they were currently experiencing Jesus and his disciples. However, Jesus predicts his own death. He says the time will come when the groom is taken away. That's when they will fast. In fact, they will then fast and pray, but not now. It has been noted that the Old Testament used the groom figure to, to describe God. The Jews also used it of, of Messiah's coming and the Messianic banquet. When Jesus applied this figure to himself, he was claiming to be the Messiah. And he was letting them know that his kingdom was imminent. John's disciples, their questions were not out of order, but they were off timing. Oh, God, let me help you up in here, beloved. How often do we push for stuff that's not necessarily out of order, but just a tad off timing? Hear me when I preach Greater Bethlehem Baptist Church. We've got to get in time with where the church is going. So you better make sure you're not resisting change because of a preference issue. There's time for that, but not now. Oh, Jesus' second illustration is about garments. I'm almost finished. Just stay with me for a little while longer. Verse 16, Jesus says, no one patches an old garment with an unshrunk, unshrunk cloth because the path pulls away from the garment and makes the tear 
worse. Second illustration suggests, if it doesn't fit, quit. <laughs> Y'all know I'm preaching to myself. If it doesn't fit, quit. Judaism, which was the religion of this season, had become an inflexible religion. Jesus came for more than religious practices, but for kingdom expansion. Jesus' way could not be affixed to what already existed. There was to be a complete change, a new way, Jesus' way. So the church of Jesus Christ must and will change. Change to adapt to new ways of engaging culture, new ways of doing church, new ways of spreading the gospel. The message remains, the methods change. Oh, I got to make this plain, to make this plain. Jesus said, if it doesn't fit, you got to quit. As a boy, I would come home with holes in the knee of my pants. Uh, uh, as a little boy, and it was, just, it was just how I chose to fall. I would, I would come home with holes in the knees of my pants. Mama would try to sew those holes, but to no avail. The next day or the next time I wore them, I would, I would re-split them at the knee. Then mama started buying me pants with built-in knee patches. <laughs> See, these built-in patches were so rough on the knee that I had to find a new way to fall. Oh God. Greater Bethlehem, I'm only trying to get you to see that, that you can't just sew in the old with the new. As a result, you, you have to pivot and adjust and you have to find a new way of doing things. I had to find a new way to fall. Church, we got to find a new way to do church. And as long as Jesus is exalted, as long as the kingdom is expanded, God will be glorified. I'm finished, but the final illustration was about wineskins. We're done. Let, 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 let me wrap this up. Uh, verse 17, Jesus says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the skins burst, the wine spills out, and the skins are ruined. No, they put new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. Last movement of this third point is this. It's time for something new. Let me just talk to you as I close this, this message. It's time for something new. Jesus used two different Greek words for new in verse 17. Neos means recent in time, and kainos means a new kind. The messianic kingdom would be new in both time and in kind. Jesus is bringing a new message for a new church. So his message would not fit in with the confines of Judaism. In fact, Jesus came to fulfill what the Old Testament had already declared. However, their poor interpretation led them to resist, led them to reject, led them to kill the very one that they had long waited. Church, don't be guilty of killing the newness 
that Jesus is attempting to bring forth. It's time for something new. So what have we said thus far? First and foremost, we got to stop trying to fit in. It is not our calling to try to look like everybody else. And so as we find out who we are in this new dispensation, this new season, we, we're going to make some stumbles. But we are stumbling toward God's glory. But not only that, stop, stop believing that you got everything together. Stop believing that you have all the answers. Stop, stop believing that your criticism is actually helpful when it is not. Questions are essential as long as the Spirit has bathed those questions and they're being asked towards a common goal. But then lastly and finally, stop. Let me find my note here. Oh, yeah. Stop resisting change. Stop resisting change. Whatever it is that's keeping you from moving forward, you got to release that. Three illustrations the Lord Jesus gives. First and foremost, it's time for that, but not right now. Or there is a time for that, but not right now. Secondly, Jesus leads them with the patchwork. If it doesn't fit, quit. Thirdly and finally, Jesus helps them to understand that it is in fact time for something new. We don't want to put new wine in old wineskins. What happens then, it begins to tear and it begins to compromise the skins and ultimately compromises the wine. New wine, new wineskins, new season. Beloved, that's the tension of change. Let's embrace it with faith and boldness. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for the simplicity of your word. Thank you so much for meeting us right here. Thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to have uh, an interaction, pastor and people. Thank you, Lord God, for the rough patches of ministry. And Father, we understand that this is what it's all about. This is the ministry helping us to work through our differences, helping us in faith to become the people that you've created, saved, and called us to be. Father, we're, we're looking forward to what this new season brings us. We're not looking for it grudgingly or painfully or in a frustrating manner, but we're excited about what you're going to do through the ministry of Greater Bethlehem Baptist Church. In the name of Jesus, let everyone say amen. Come on, right where you are, type in amen. Come on, type amen in your chat section. Come on, give God some praise right where you are. Well, listen, uh, service is just about over, but I want to do two things that are so important. The first is I want to give you an opportunity to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. I want to give you an opportunity to receive him. So uh, I'm talking about Jesus, and you know that you need Jesus. And I want you to just text us to 972 638 Nine five five four. What is the purpose of texting? We want to find out who you are. We want to pray with you. We can do it all via text. Trust me. We are learning to adapt to this new season. And as you let us know, whatever your needs are, if you need prayer, or if you're looking for a relationship with Lord, or if you're even looking for a church, just text it to us. We will walk you through systematically how to make that happen. So if you've never received the gift of salvation, or you are unsure about that, 
and you're looking for that now, give us the opportunity to share Jesus with you. If you're looking for a church, allow us to serve you even digitally. You don't have to live in Dallas. We'll figure out a way to have some remote members. We'll make it happen for the glory of God. This moment is for you. One more time, 972-638-9554. Please reach out to us right now. Give God some praise for those who are responding. Come on, give God some praise for those who are responding. Well, watch this. The second thing we need to do as we get ready to go is to share in a time of offering and announcements. And so I'm going to pray because I want to make sure that you're doing your best to give. Listen, I know it's tight. Let me tell you something I discovered. I, I got my power bill the other day. My power bill was $200 more than it normally is. Do I have any other witnesses up in here? $200. I've been cutting off lights like you wouldn't believe. I've been, I almost unplugged the refrigerator. Amen. But listen, so I get it. It's tight. But listen, don't, don't allow that to keep uh, uh, you from fulfilling what the Lord has called you to do. Our resources, we are stewards of our resources, which means they're not ours. They're the Lord. So listen, we got four ways for you to give. You can give online. You can text it. You can, you can drop by and mail it or put it in the mail slot. You can mail it in or you can even contact us. We'll come and pick it up. Not because we're greedy, but because we want to give you an opportunity to share in the blessings of the Lord. Let me pray and bless this offering. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless this offering. Lord, you know what the needs are for our church. You know what we're trying to do. You know the, the equipment we need to get, the staffing we need. To, you know all that we need, Lord God. So we ask you in faith that our members, the members of our church, would sow good seed, would make the sacrifice, would give according to how they have been blessed. And Lord, we are entrusting that according to your word, you bless us in return. Bless us for our obedience. Bless us for our sacrifice. Bless us for giving you glory with our resources. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let everyone say amen. Amen. It's time for the offering. All right, let's give.